Hello and welcome. These are some sermons given by Monsignor Rosito from the years 1995 to the year 2016. Enjoy. Today is the Sunday within the octave of the Ascension. It is also honored as Mother's Day, the second Sunday in May, and we honor all of our mothers present today, certainly. The Mass that will follow 9 o'clock will be offered for all of you and those who attend this chapel, those who are mothers in a special way. The epistle is taken from the first letter of St. Peter. Beloved, be prudent and watchful in prayers. Above all things, have a constant mutual charity among yourselves, for charity covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without murmuring. According to the gift that each one has received, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as with words of God. If anyone ministers, let it be as from the strength that God furnishes, that in all things God may be honored through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the Holy Gospel is taken from the Gospel according to St. John. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, But when the Advocate is come, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness concerning me. And you also will bear witness, because from the beginning you are with me. These things I have spoken to you that you may not be scandalized. They will expel you from the synagogues. Yes, the hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think he is offering worship to God. And these things they do because they have not known the Father nor me. These things I have spoken to you, that when the time for them has come, you may remember that I told you. So far the words of this day's Holy Gospel. But above all these things, have a constant mutual charity among yourselves, for charity covers a multitude of sins. These are words taken from the epistle of today's Holy Mass in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear friends in Christ, filioque, one word. In Latin, translated into English into three words, and the Son. This one word, filioque, has divided the Eastern Orthodox Church from the Western Latin Church for almost 1,000 years. One word, filioque, and the Son. We have a reference to the passage here today in the Gospel. But when the Advocate is come, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who proceeds from the Father. This word proceeds. In the Creed, we have this passage, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and the Son. Three words. Or in Latin, filioque, from the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit proceeds. We're looking forward to Pentecost <clears throat> and what is this procession, this mission, this sending? Christ was sent by the Father 
into this world to become a human being, to bear the burden of our sins, to pay the penalty in our place. Then he returns to heaven to send the Holy Spirit. He will receive of mine, he will declare it to you. Whom I will send you from the Father. Now, this controversy between the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Western Latin Church had its roots in these simple passages. And not only was there political overtones, because Constantinople was spared the ravages of the barbaric invasion of Europe by these Mongolian and other hordes of barbarians that came into uh, the Roman Empire and destroyed it eventually. It took some 400 years before the, whole, the Roman Empire no longer existed after the birth of Christ. But because of the geography uh, of the terrain, Constantinople was spared the ravages of that destruction that really tore apart Europe. And therefore it had the continuation of its political system, its wealth, its learning, its culture, its riches of civilization that made it feel that it was the best. It was better certainly than the Western countries torn and ravaged by these invasions of barbarians. They were the Dark Ages, but Constantinople uh, was spared this, Byzantium, another name for the same city. And when the Pope tried to exercise his authority over Constantinople, the Patriarch, that is the religious leader, objected. And when this occasion came in doctrinal matters, back and forth in settling what the Catholic Church teaches, the Greek Church says, the Holy Ghost proceeds from the Father alone, only from the Father. The Western Church says, no. The Holy Spirit proceeds from both the Father and the Son. And this one word created a division that has not been healed since that time. One word. Now, some of you know that there has been some controversy in the chapel here over eight words. And it's not really the eight words but rather a misunderstanding that I think I am responsible for. And I'll tell you that you have to take some careful thinking and tracing because sometimes you project the problem to somebody else or the error in somebody else's mind. I'll give you an example of what happened to me in the seminary. The major seminarians every year have turns taking care of the chapel with many priests, the professor saying mass every morning, and one sacristan is in charge of the whole operation of preparing the priest's chalices, taking care of things after mass is over, with the many professors coming and going. So it's a rather hectic, a full-time job until masses are all finished and classes begin for the day. And in one of the classes, the professor said, I would like to make an announcement, since it is your class that's in charge of the sacristy. I was given a little spoon by the Holy Father to measure out the water to be poured into the chalice so that you don't get too much water uh, when the wine is prepared for the offertory. And I treasure that little spoon because it, is a special, it has a special meaning to me. And one of you boys 
threw that in with the altar linens and uh, it was misplaced. It was retrieved, thankfully, but I thought, gee whiz, uh, how careless can somebody be? Until I realized I was on sacristy duty that week and it was I who had thrown that little spoon in with the rest of the laundry and I didn't know what to say because the classmates looked at me and they didn't say anything, but I was the target of something that was an innocent mistake, but nevertheless a mistake that the professor didn't want to have repeated again. So I was very careful, and of course everybody else was very careful after that, but I was wondering, who was that culprit? And the finger pointed back to me, and I said, uh-oh, it's I who was the responsible one for doing such a thoughtless thing. And uh, it was an honest and innocent mistake, and these things do happen in life sometimes we blame somebody else for something which we ourselves are really responsible for. Now I say I take responsibility for the confusion that has crept in in these last number of weeks in the saying of the rosary of all things in a prayer. Now remember I tell you and tell you again and again it's difficult to apply these things sometimes in specific concrete cases. Everything contains within itself the potential for good and for evil at the same time. Even prayer contains a potential for evil. Not prayer as such, but rather the spirit of prayer. And what was happening unknown to myself, while I'm hearing confessions, I cannot hear what's going on out here in the uh, group, there was a tug of war beginning to develop between those who wanted to say a particular prayer and those who didn't want to say it. Now why was there this difference? Well, first of all, this prayer involves particularly the addition to the decades of the rosary because of the request of Our Lady of Fatima to say a particular prayer, O oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those who have most need of thy mercy. There might be just a few little variations in words, but that's the bulk of that particular prayer. Later on, there was added a secondary prayer, follow-up prayer, of eight words, not very much, uh, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, I love you, save souls. Now that was not requested by Our Lady of Fatima, but it was in the spirit of Our Lady of Fatima, and those who said it uh, added it as a devotion. Now in the chapel when we first started to say the rosary before masses, uh, we said just the one prayer. Then permission was asked to say the additional prayer, and given my nature, I tried to accommodate with reasonable requests. And so I did give permission for the additional prayer, but I never said it. Now there's no difficulty with that because I don't say it doesn't mean that it can't be said. And if permission was granted and is uh, gradually incorporated, it became a custom as a matter of fact here in the chapel. Now when new people began to come in about a year ago, um, they noticed that I didn't say the prayer and they assumed that that prayer was not necessary or should not be added. And so there began to be this little division as to whether to say the prayer or not. And it grew and in heightened in intensity. There became a sense of uh, a tug of war or a spirit of animosity between the sayers and the non-sayers. When it was brought to my attention after it had been going on for a while, I misunderstood the problem as to that it wasn't that a prayer was being uh, denied or said, but there were two prayers. 
And so I clarified that again on the second announcement. Today I'd like to finish this off once and for all so that uh, we will have an understanding of what we should do in the situation since the big problem we have in our chapel is people come from such distances, they don't always come together. And so what is said at one time may be missed by those who don't come that time. And therefore, they will continue the problem not knowing that it has been solved, or at least an attempt has been made to solve it. So the situation is this. We have mentioned it before, and we're going to mention it again today, and we pass it on. There is no malice that I see. Now, there could be. There could be an animosity. There could be an innocence, or translate that ignorance, a lack of understanding. But the third situation, whether it's animosity or a simple mistake, there is a confusion. That's what we're addressing today. Not the prayer, not this misunderstanding, but the confusion that can be solved and will be solved very simply. We are not taking back the permission to say that second prayer. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, I love you, save souls. That still stands. However, because of the confusion and the animosity that this has revealed in the second Mass, or the main Mass, really, the 9 o'clock Mass, we have said we will say that at that Mass only the one prayer, the one requested by Our Lady of Fatima. Now, immediately, I had two groups, those who disagreed with me and those who agreed with me. And those who agreed with me might feel that they have won, and those who disagree might feel that they have lost. There is no winning and losing. We're saying prayers. We're offering them to God. And if there is this sense that I lost and therefore I'm going to take uh, uh, retaliation of one kind or another, and it can come in different forms. If there is a spirit that is improper and there is such a spirit that this has revealed, you know, when it's quiet, you don't notice what's there. But when it becomes an issue, then we see it break open and something that you did not see before now is presented itself like a boil. We got to lance this thing and straighten it out so that we don't have this continuing animosity growing into a metastasis or an increase of other kinds of difficulties that we can have. Now, if the church was split over one word, our little chapel here that has been peaceful for many years can be split certainly with eight words, but it's not the issue of the prayer or the non-prayer, but the spirit that underlies this animosity that uh, has been revealed so that evil and serious words were said to hurt people's feelings. Now, people who don't say the prayer feel that since I don't say it, that's what is the proper thing. And those who have received the permission and have become accustomed to this say it is permissible. Why are you denying it? So, again, I'd like to clarify it. I do not say the prayer. I say it simply with the intentions that Our Lady of Fatima asked for us to say. Now, why don't I say the second prayer? Because then you can continue adding more and more and more. Now, for example, in a parish, people will have special devotion to a particular saint, and they will find a statue, and they will bring the statue, Father, I have bought this statue to the saint that I have a great devotion to. I want you to put this in the church for me. And... If this continues, we have more statues than we can accommodate if everybody's wishes are granted in this way. We have to draw a line somewhere. We keep it simple. We keep it essential. And if you have your special devotions, bring them with you. Offer your prayers. But don't impose a statue or a picture upon the rest of us that continues, to, well, if she had it or if he had it, therefore I can have it too, and I want this and I want that. No, uh, 
I am an easygoing person, as I think you know, and I try to accommodate to everybody that I can. If I can see a way of allowing you to have what you request, I certainly will bend over backwards to grant that to you. And if you don't cooperate, I mean, that's between you and God, because you're not serving me. We're serving God together. And I've told you this, and I mean it. There is no greater or lesser in this chapel. I am not greater than you. I have to face God as one day we all will have to face God and declare ourselves as to what we did. And some of the humbler people will become the greater in the kingdom of God. And those who had authority and power and high profile, if you want to put it that way, will have less because they took advantage of it. I don't use this pulpit as a fortress to lambaste anybody. I don't use my sermons as a means of pinching anybody or hurting anybody's feelings. If it has to be done, it will be done in a general way. The truths are the same. When I read the Gospels, I don't add anything or take anything away, but what you hear will be according to the principle. What is given is given according to the mode of the giver, and what is received is received according to the mode of the receiver. Now, the Spirit of God should come across. Now, if you have the Spirit of God, it will be seen, recognized, understood, and lived. If you don't, and who of us has the full Spirit of God, then there's going to be a deficiency. There's going to be a breakdown. There's going to be a lessening of the impact of the Gospel words. And that's why they have to be repeated again and again and again until you get so tired that perhaps it becomes a barrier, like corrosion. It will no longer accept because it's become uh, too common. Familiarity breeds contempt, and a little bit of contempt enters into our exchanges like that. Not intentionally, but as the nature of the beast with our fallen inclinations and so on. And we have to keep recorrecting it. Now, if I tie you to Christ, it's with a bond that's necessary. It's not take it or leave it. If you do, then you're not tied to Christ. But if you want to be tied to Christ, then you have to take the consequences until it gets easy to live in the stature and, the, uh, and in the direction of our Lord. And then the words will become clear. And then the understanding will penetrate. And then the life, the living, will begin to grow according to these words. We have a wayward nature and it has to be bound to Christ. There's no easy way. The hard part is the beginning, but it gets easier you learn to live this way and then you begin to reject what you once thought was the greatest thing in the world. This materialism or the spirit of uh, this world of pleasures, uh, fame, accomplishments, uh, this man-centeredness that we're all plagued with. It's like a human disease, man-centeredness. What I want and what pleases me and what I think and what you uh, give me and so on, uh, this is childish. And we have, to outgrow, we have to outgrow this childishness. And how do we do this? By the conflicts that come and the corrections that uh, come as a consequence. When your children disobey you, you have a conflict. They have to be trained. And you have the upper hand, otherwise they go hungry or um, they're going to get paddled. And they, they'll knuckle under until later on they see, I understand now why you said and did what you did, but at first I didn't. So this binding to Christ, I didn't understand what you were trying to do, but now I, I see the other side of the story and I recognize that maybe there was another way of doing it other than what I thought. So let's think together with the Gospels. Now here, but above all these things, be prudent and watchful in prayers. Are we praying the rosary? Are we prudent? Are we watchful? Are we saying words? And one trying to outbest the other? No, this is not the spirit. 
but above all things have a constant mutual charity among yourselves for charity covers a multitude of sins it's going to wipe away this waywardness that we have towards evil it's going to pull it back with charity charity is not easy they lovely words you know to love until you get into the parking lot and then you find out maybe uh, there isn't this kiss of peace that's so sincere after all but if you have it it doesn't make any difference if you have the kiss of peace or the handshake or nothing but it will be a mutual constant charity be hospitable to one another without murmuring we hear complaints is that God talking or is that the devil or a demon or a spirit of man doesn't mean that you shouldn't say anything is out of order no but with a spirit of constant mutual charity for justice for what is for the benefit of everyone else not just this one or that one or this group or that group um, St. Paul says there's no Greek or Gentile there's no slave or free man we're all the same and we have to have that spirit of Christ that makes us the same in Christ and one with Christ then we are all one together that's the church that's the real church with the Holy Spirit in that church giving it life and uh, increase and in understanding according to the gift that each one has received minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God okay let's take that one apart according to the gift that each one has received we're not all the same color if you want to use the comparison of flowers flowers are not all the same color they're not all the same uh, size uh, of the nature flowers are uh, innumerable kinds and shapes and fragrances and beauty uh, and we love the differences and we should love the differences that exist between us because we're not all to be made the same according to your own image and likeness but to the image and likeness of God who makes beauty to dwell in little bits and pieces here and there so if you've got something that's your gift now you use it to share with someone else who has another gift who will share mutual return with you and you're both enhanced but if you're selfish and demand that everybody has to look like you or think like you or talk like you then uh, you're exaggerating it's out of order it's not the way God made things according to the gift that each one has received some are smart some are not so smart some are talented others less talented others have good memories others have poor memories oh what are we going to say you have to live the way you are you have different temperaments there are four basic temperaments we'll study those sometime because they're so important no two are alike and yet you can't be somebody different you are yourself so be yourself but be your best self because each of the four temperaments has a good and a bad side to it remember good potential good and evil at the same time and we must give it good direction so every situation you have two different opinions give it a good turn and if the resolution is decided by somebody like myself who has the responsibility to say this is the way it's going to be at the nine o'clock mass we will omit the second prayer at all the other masses you may have the second prayer so it's permitted but to resolve this conflict I've laid it down and there's no winner or loser this is the way we're going to have the mutual constant charity so that we will pray again instead of battling each other mentally or spiritually as to who's right and who's wrong well you're both right and you're both wrong and so I will say okay time out here's the referee's decision and we're going to abide by that and if it comes back to a good spirit again we hope that that underlying spirit of animosity isn't going to be covered over and hidden again we want to lance it get it out get it out in the open 
and say, yes, I was exaggerating, I was excessive, I was really um, pushing my point too much without considering that mutual charity. So um, let's go by what Father says, and we'll all win. The rest of it will still be free enough to say the prayer, whoever leads the rosary. Now, we can resolve this by saying, instead of having uh, the rosary decked led by this or that or the other one, and it's worked so far, uh, I like the little children also to participate with the adults, that they can lead the prayers for a decade, but then the adding of extra prayers might be a personal um, choice, and we know how many things that can be added and added and added, so we'll never get to the Mass or get out of chapel. So we've got to cut it off somewhere. And so if there is anything to be added over and above whatever we have already begun, come and ask. And then we'll make it clear to everybody. Communication is very difficult. What you thought I said is not what I meant when I said it. And that is very difficult to then sort out. So we have to clarify it again and again, be patient with the process, and think it through. We try to live with reason guided by faith, the basic principle that sometimes is difficult to exercise. Reason. Be reasonable. Be balanced. Be just. Uh, uh, be just. And it takes a lot of experience to reach that kind of balance because we tend to exaggerate idealism. We think things are better than they really are, or we think that things are worse than they really are. We tend to go to extremes, and we need to keep that balance. It could be good, could be bad, but your intention makes the difference. If you intend to be good, even if you make a mistake, it's not going to be bad. It'll be a mistake, you'll suffer for it, but it will not be a sin. And that's what uh, applies in all your moral decisions. You are the one in command to say yes to God or no to God. And even if it looks good, and as you said no to God, it's bad because it's the interior spirit that gives meaning to the external actions or words. So have that mutual charity among yourselves. According to the gift that each one has received, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What about a gift you don't have and you exercise it and it hurts? Uh, with the spirit of charity, talk to that person. And if you have to have a resolution, come and talk with me. I don't take sides. I treat everybody as equally as I can, little children as well as old-timers and everybody in between. Each of you is a world, a beautiful world that needs to be pruned and needs to be attended uh, to so that you become a better world. But it's between you and God, not between you and me or the Pope or the Bishop or anybody else, uh, as I've said many times. So it's between you and God, but I'll try to help you to see how to be a better person. And if you're out of order, um, I won't assume that you're doing it purposely, but if you're out of order, then we have to correct this and bring it back into order. If anyone speaks, let it be with words of God, not with human words, not with animosity, not with uh, uh, what I want, but as with what God wants. Not my will, but thine be done. How many ways does the scriptures tell us this? Not my will, but thine be done. Let it be as with words of God. How would our Lord say? What would he say in this situation? How would he handle it? Not with a baseball bat, but not necessarily with a feather either. So we have to work as our Lord would. If we have the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Christ, then it's going to work out pretty well, given our human handicaps nevertheless, to come out the way God wants it to be. If anyone ministers, let it be with the strength that God furnishes. So as I say, I have seen priests who are very strict, very harsh, 
very mean sometimes. That's their temperament. It's not their faith. They're trying to do a good job and it hurts people because they do it in a rough way. But if he speaks the truth, listen through past the emotionalism of the situation and hear God and see the power of God, the uh, strength of God. And many priests, in a rough way, really do God's work, whether you like it or not. And it is with the strength of God in spite of the human instrument. So be fair and just and mature. And as you're younger, you're going to make more mistakes in judgment that later years are going to show you how un, uh, unjust you were, uh, how ignorant you were when you were younger. We have to put up with that as people grow. We have to deal with that because we're all growing. No one is perfect. So let us then work with the strength that God gives us, even if we think that what we're saying and doing is right. Now, what does our Lord say in the gospel? These things I have spoken to you that you may not be scandalized. In other words, I'm telling you the straight truth. They will expel you from the synagogues. We don't throw anybody out because they've made some mistakes. Maybe even are malicious. We don't throw them out. We say, correct it, correct it. If you don't, you will probably leave yourself. You won't have to be thrown out. But they will expel you from the synagogue. Yes, the hour is coming that anyone who kills you to think he's offering worship to God. See, I find he did God's work. You know, I really told him off. Or I got up and spoke my, my piece. No, no, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it with prudence. You take your brother's side quietly and talk with him. If he doesn't listen, then take somebody else that will give more strength to your words. Uh, and if he doesn't listen, then take it to the high authority. Well, when it comes to the high authority, if he won't listen, then, then let him be anathema. Let him be thrown out. And St. Paul did. But not before the last effort. And these things they would do because you, they have not known the Father nor me. Now, who of us knows the Father or Christ, really? We like to think we do. We hope that we do. But then again, there are those rough edges that show that Christ is not fully formed in us yet. And so we think we're doing the right thing when perhaps we're doing the exact opposite. We need to be patient with this exchange. And somebody has to bear the buck that passes finally to him, and that's me. But. I don't barge in and I don't try to roll heads or do anything like that and throw anybody out. And I don't talk too harshly, but I will talk justly as long as I understand what the situation is and get a little time to see it from different angles before a final judgment is made. So if we can solve this by simply eliminating the one prayer at the nine o'clock mass, maybe for a while, the rest of it is still the same as it always was because there's no problems, it seems, elsewhere. Unless this is brought in as an animosity, it's going to continue to smolder. Then, if that continues to happen, then I will <coughs> delay confessions till after Mass and I will say the Rosary. I don't think that's necessary. One person, then, will be given the uh, charge of saying the Rosary so that it won't be jumping around and then causing this continuing friction at the nine o'clock mass, or maybe in other masses. If somebody forgets and says the prayer, bear with it. It's not an earth-shaking thing, it's just eight words. But even one word can divide. If that spirit is bad within the person or group that's fighting the other group or person, 
So we're not divided here, we're not supposed to be. But if we are, we're going to solve it and we're going to bring it back to normal and pray rather than fight. So that in all things God may be honored through Jesus Christ our Lord. What, what are we here for? To meet Christ. And when we receive him, we all receive him together. And in Christ, then we give honor to God through, with, and in Christ together, but not if there's a spirit of contentiousness or anger or rebellion or disobedience or anything like that. Now, we don't want any harsh words ever spoken out of meanness to anyone else. And if they are spoken, be forgiving. Bear it with it patiently. Uh, none of us is perfectly rounded up by God yet. We're still being in the process of being perfected. And we try to do this over the months and years so that you see and understand what it is that God is trying to tell us. Not what Father Reseda is trying to tell you, but what God is trying to tell you in the best light we can have. And then you take it with you and you think about it. And if you don't think about it, it's like eating food that you don't digest. It just passes right through. It doesn't nourish you. So you must think, you must meditate, you must pray. Don't say many words, but the few that you do think deeply and they will have greater value. An ounce of gold is much more valuable than an ounce of silver or an ounce of tin. So maybe the less is more if it is more valuable. So this is what we're trying to accomplish here. Your spiritual welfare. You've asked me to come to help you. I have accepted that charge, not in a democracy, not in a numbers game, but a need is here, and nobody will answer that need, and I can do so, and you've asked me, and I will do so, to the degree that you allow me. So there's nobody taking over the chapel. It's been provided for us very generously. We should appreciate that and pray for their benefactors every Mass that we come here, but there's nobody in charge except Christ, and those whom he's deputed, which you then have allowed me to be deputed in this roundabout way, I have no authority except to bring order and peace and understanding and virtue to you so that you will live it at home or in the workplace or in recreation or whatever it is that you do. In all things, God may be honored through Jesus Christ our Lord. And when you have that spirit, you belong to the church. You belong to Christ. You belong to God. And you are the children of God. But remember... Those who do the works of God are the children of God. And if you don't do the works of God, then there's an empty space that has to be filled in with God and that empty space has to be cast out by being filled not with yourself or anything of this world, but with God and the things of God. So with that then, uh, let there be no animosity trying to uh, punish uh, by cutting down in the collection. That's fine if you wish to do so. No retaliation of uh, boycotting, saying, well, I won't cooperate anymore. Uh, or uh, I'll go elsewhere. These are all choices you can make, but if you're here, make them in the spirit of God, in the spirit of Christ, in the spirit of the Gospels, and we will honor God and God will bless us. Because if we don't pray except with a bad spirit, then either it has to be cast out or the person will leave, and usually that's what happens in the long run. If they're dissatisfied and will refuse to accept any effort of reconciliation. So it's not the eight words, but a spirit that can develop that whether the words are said or not can still be there. And if it has been there, we want to cast it out. And this has been an occasion to show, you that, show us that there is a spirit that really has erupted in the bad words and bad feelings that have come in one case or the other. The majority of you 
There's no problem. You don't even know about it, but this is what uh, has come about, and we're going to turn it to our advantage. We're going to learn a lesson from it. What I've said and said and said now has shown itself. Let's see if we can apply what I've said to the situation and become better because of it. So cast out any animosity. Um, these things they will do because they have not known the Father nor me. Let us know the Father better. Let us think more deeply. Let us pray more sincerely. Let us act accordingly with charity. And remember, we hear these words different times of the year. Brethren, put on as God's chosen ones, chosen, chosen ones, holy and beloved, a heart of mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against any other, even as the Lord has forgiven you, so do you also forgive. But above all these things, have charity, which is the bond of perfection. And what does St. Paul talk about? Charity is patient, is kind. Charity does not envy, is not pretentious, is not puffed up. Don't you know who I am? Is not ambitious, is not self-seeking, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice over wickedness, but rejoices with the truth, bears with all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now this is charity. Let it not just be a word but let it be a reality. And let us grow in that reality as best we can through the years with the things we do, say, and pray, even with or without these eight words. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.